to the global class. You promise them you're going to take them on a vacation. You, you promise your spouse, I'm going to take you on a vacation. 
I'm, we're going to do something. We're going to do something special. I'm going to get this for you. And then the car breaks down and it's $3,000. And you go, the money that I'd saved for that is now going to that. We can't do that anymore. And you feel like, you know, untrustworthy. The problem, I think, at times is that we relate to God how we relate to people. So when we experience things from people, we distrust God because we think he's the same way. Or maybe through our own experiences, we don't think God's acting in the, in the way, just like Mrs. Hanover, the way we expected him to do. I ask the question, rather than asking that this, is it hard to trust God? I, I'm going to just say, why is it hard? To trust God. Why is it hard to trust God? Yeah. Um, I feel like to some extent it's a maturity issue spiritually. You know, because, yeah, people let us down, but have we ever let anybody down? Yeah. I mean, we can't turn that table and place it on ourselves and give grace. Like Jonathan was talking about this morning, we gotta give grace to people because we all are going to make mistakes. Sure. So, yeah. right with, with God. When we feel like God's not doing it, doesn't mean that he's not doing it. But he is, his ways are higher than ours. Yeah, good point. Somebody else had to get up. Yeah. We want results right now. We want results right now. Think. I think when we don't get the answer we want, then we don't trust him. Yeah. Do we ever ask God specifically for something and he doesn't do it the way we want him to? Does that frustrate you? Anybody? Yeah. This was the original sin of Adam and Eve, as you see there. What was their sin? They disobeyed God. They disobeyed God. They didn't trust him. They didn't trust him. Why? What what didn't they trust about God? That he was trying to hold back. That he was trying to hold back from them something, and Satan was like, hey. You can eat of all these trees, but he's keeping you from the best one. The one that you're really going to enjoy is he's keeping you from it. And if you take it, you'll be like God. And isn't that exactly what Satan wanted to do? And we fell into the same trap. As humanity, we want to be like God. In other words, we want to be in control. We don't necessarily want to trust him. We want to trust ourselves. We will get through this. We're going to work through this and we'll make it happen. That's why I put up trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your understanding. How can we learn to trust God? Well, the only way we can do that is to get to know him personally. Not know about God, but get to know him personally. John 17, 3. Someone read that for me. Now this is eternal life that they the only true God and Jesus Christ who has sent. Eternal life isn't just heaven, isn't just a place we're going to go to one day. It is knowing God and his son, Jesus Christ. This is eternal life, that they may know you and Jesus Christ who you've sent. This is what eternal life is really all about, being in relationship with God. That's why hell is what it is, because it's separation from God. It's not just the torment that exists. It's the separation from God himself. 
But we've got to get to know God personally. To, to not just know, you know, I, I prayed the prayer and I'm good. I'm going to heaven one day and I'm going to enjoy the streets of gold. It's getting to know God personally. How do you get to know God personally? Spending time in the Word. Praying. Praying. Crying out to Him for what breaks your heart. Crying out to Him for what breaks your heart. Walk with Him daily. Like He's a friend. I mean, He's our friend. Walk with Him daily. I wish I had my voice back. I, I, you know, you've heard me done, do this before because I just love this song because it was my mom's favorite song, In the Garden. You know? And it's amazing that the privilege that Adam and Eve had walking in the garden with God. Walking with Jesus. Walking with them in, you know, in the amazing experience. And then to go, I'll trust the snake rather than him. Wow. Think through that. To get to know God personally. But, yeah. I think so often what happens is, you know, like at Liberty, students study, study, so the word of God becomes academic. And, and I believe devotions is a key. And I think the key is, is that's a, a time that I spend with God to listen to him. Uh, to, to talk to him in order to be used by him. But I always look at Ephesians 5 where he says, love your wife as Christ loved the church. And I think so often when I look at that, you know, I, I can say, you know, I, I, I love my sisters in Christ, but I love my wife in an intimate way. So I always say devotions in the morning. It doesn't have to be a Bible study. It's a time where I, I, I allow God to make spiritual love to me in order that I can, can walk with him during the day. Yeah. It's that intimate relationship. It's not like head knowledge. It's not academic. It's not doing your duty, your devotion. I got to get through this. But it's really listening to God while you're reading, asking him to maybe convict you or to, to help you to apply it in a particular way that you're learning for it, not just for I've got it done, but I'm in relationship with God to be willing to hear what he's trying to teach me. How amazing that would be. We can also understand God's unconditional love. We learn to trust him when we know how much he unconditionally loves you. How he loves me. God's unconditional love is amazing. And from that perspective, God wants to not only say it, but demonstrate it. Romans 5.8, someone read that for me. But God demonstrated his own love for us. In this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And as was spoken here by Pastor Dane, Ephesians 5, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Men, males, or hurrah, or whichever one you want to categorize yourself in. Okay? We demonstrate our love for our wives that while we were still sinners, we died for them. Did you catch that? We died for them. We died to ourselves and go, you know what? It's not about lose priority. It's about Cheryl. It's about her priority. It's about meeting her needs. It's about taking care. You know, what is that priority? And boy, 
Is it easy to do that? Mm. Boy, I'm glad Cheryl's in the kitchen cleaning things up. <laughs> you know? It's hard to do that. You know? Even, even the littlest thing, when I'm walking by and I look down on the carpet, and there is a piece of something on the carpet, do I bend over and pick it up and put it in the trash can? Or to show vacuum, I'll vacuum in a couple days, whatever, no big deal. No! You, you just bend over, you pick it up. What do you do? You know, it's all those kinds of little things that we demonstrate selflessness in everything that we do. First John 3, 1a, to see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. God loves you unconditionally, and you are his child. You're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. What does an heir mean? Inheritor. Inheritor. So in other words, everything Jesus has, you are an heir with. Man, that's amazing. We're a joint heir with Jesus as we travel this sod. For I'm part of the family of God. Amen? Amen? You know, and that's why we're children of God. That God is going to lavish upon us his love in an amazing way. And demonstrates it through Jesus dying for us. We also learn to trust God. When we know that God cares for you and what you're going through. Many of you have had difficult things throughout your life, challenges that you have had to face, health issues, financial struggles, spiritual struggles, struggles of, of concern in situations that you did not know how to get out of, things in which was overwhelming, and Cheryl and I have as well. Someone read for me 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast on your because he cares for you. Great. In, in stereo. I love that. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Will. Cast all your... What's that word? Cares. Anxiety. Cares. Some of you memorize it in various versions. Cast all your cares, all your anxieties. Are, are we filled with anxiety and cares these days? Yeah. It's amazing the things that some of you are having to struggle with and, and to deal with. He says, cast them all on me because he cares for you. In other words, what he's saying is, you can't handle this in your own strength, and that's okay. You can trust me with them. Don't hold them to yourself. Don't try to figure them out yourself. Don't try to live them on your own. Cast them to me because I care for you. Now, again, God never leaves us nor forsakes us. But at the same time, folks, we understand that sometimes that anxiety lasts a long time. That struggle that you're facing lasts a long time. It's not, a, it's not a quick fix. It's not an easy thing. Some of you have dealt with suffering years, and you're keeping on trusting him. Keep trusting him. Keep trusting him. Because you've got to understand that God cares for you. He's got a plan for your life and wants to use these things in your life. And you know what? When you come up at the other end, God can use you to be a blessing to others. 
Let's see again. Understand God's unconditional love. Oops, sorry, went the wrong way. Remember, God will be there for you. God will be there for you. Romans 3, 3 and 4 a. Someone read that for me. shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who can be against us? And we know that God's love is unconditional. He will always be there for us. We can trust him because even in response to everything in our life, he will always be there. Again, we may not even understand it because sometimes we get very emotional. Okay? We want to feel something. Or We want to feel something. The Christian life isn't always about feelings, folks. We like it, but sometimes we, we want that feeling. Okay? But the truth is we've got that's why we, we worship him not in feelings and emotions. We worship him in spirit and in truth. That's why we have to grow and so we have to renew our minds. Our will, our heart has to be impacted by that truth. God is with us. Even when we feel like he's not there, he is. And he's working. He is working. He is working on your behalf. God's promises will come. But we must wait on the Lord and hope in him. Psalm 27, 14. Someone read that for me. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. He has to reiterate it twice. Wait. Wait. And he tells you to be strong in the midst of it. Be strong. Trust him. But wait on the Lord. We should hope in the Lord when we do not think we have the strength to go on. Someone read Isaiah 40, 28 to 31. Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Keep going. He gives, uh, even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. God will never grow weary. Amen? Amen? God doesn't get tired. Anybody here tired? I think I'm getting a witness. We get tired. God doesn't. God is, how has God strengthened you when you were weak? We've all been weak. Can somebody give me some short testimonies of how God strengthened you when you were weak? Yeah, Barbara. When I was recovering from cancer and all the chemo, um, I was so weak that I could hardly stand it. And I decided to look up anything in the Bible that talked about God helping the weak. And I found a lot of verses 
And sure enough, he helped me. Praise the Lord. So when you were at your weakest, you went to the scriptures, looked up those passages that talked about God helping the weak, and through that, God encouraged you. Amen. Somebody else. How were when you were weak, God helped you be strong? Yes, Mindy. Through the encouragement and help from other people. Yeah. Leaders. Isn't that great? You know, God's always with us, but you know what? We need each other, and that's why God put us in community. And that's why I'm so blessed to see you here today. Because you're an encouragement to each other. John and Marianne, you have been so missed. You know, we, we're so glad to see you back. And some of you decided to come back again. Praise the Lord. You know, a second time. You know, it's awesome. We, you come back and we come. But, we, but why do we do this? Do we do it for the food? Okay, don't say yes. <laughs> I hope that you come because you're encouraged by your brothers and sisters in Christ and the word of God to, you can do this. You can make it. You can go on. God isn't, isn't weary, but we do get weary at times. We get tired. And sometimes our faith gets faltered because we are tired. You know, I'm reminded constantly, Cheryl and I went to Israel several years ago and as we sat there on Mount Carmel and thinking through that story of Elijah and the prophets of Baal and, and that story that just encourages our heart that God you know, spoke and fire came down from heaven and consumed the, uh, the, the sacrifices, lapped up all the water that was poured over those sacrifices. And, and basically the prophets of Baal were destroyed. And then Elijah takes off and he goes out into the wilderness and he's sitting down and he, gets, he, he, he hears first that Jezebel was after him. That Jezebel was going to kill him. And he goes and he hides. Elijah. All these prophets of Baal are there. He confronts them. The miracle of God is there. And then he finds out that Jezebel is going to kill him. And he runs and hides. Sits under, sits under a bush. And he's crying out to God. And he's like, what are you doing here? But you know what? I love that story. Because what did God do to help Elijah? He gave him something to eat. He was tired. He was hungry. He was thirsty. And rather than God criticizing him, he first feeds him. Elijah, get up and eat. You know, I, I think this is sometimes, uh, you know, we, we, you've heard this analogy before. Cheryl and I both use it in various settings that we're in. But when you go, when we used to fly, <laughs> They get up and they talk about, uh, and I, I, was, I was surprised. I, I was sharing this this week with a student. And I said, when they, they tell you when if the compression in the, in the airplane drops and the oxygen mass falls, I said, who, who, whose um, air, uh, oxygen mask do you put on first? And they, the student said, Theirs. 
And I said, why would you say that? Because I think it's my job to take care of everybody else. And the problem does is when we, we try to take care of everybody else, but we don't take care of ourselves, we don't have the strength to go on. And when we're weak, let me tell you something. Everyone listen. I think it's important for everybody here. When you're at your weakest, and I'll, I will raise my hand first to admit this. I fall into sin. I choose to sin much easier when I'm exhausted than when I'm strong. And I have to confess my sin to the Lord because I was tired and exhausted and I made a stupid decision. You don't have to do that. You've got to take care of you. And sometimes as Christians, we think that's just wrong. No, I, I don't have a right to take care of me. First. I have to take care of everybody else first. No. You've got to take care of you so you have the strength. Because God's there with you. He says, he's going to take care of you. He's going to put you on his wings. He'll provide for you. He's going to shelter you. He's going to protect you. He's going to help you. But you've got to take care of you. So that you can then take care of others. And when you have that strength that the Lord provides, you can be encouraged, you can be enriched, and God can help you do that. God will be with us and meet our needs. Someone read for me Psalm 37, verses 7 through 9. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret, it leads only to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. Do we get frustrated and angry when the wicked prosper? <laughs> yeah. Praise the Lord for this past election, at least from my perspective. <laughs> if, if you're of a different uh, persuasion, um, We've got the presidency. But. <laughs> um, and, and please don't let Satan use that to distract you from the truth. <laughs> Why is it hard to be patient for the Lord to bless us? Sometimes it takes time. Sometimes it just takes time. You get frustrated in the waiting because you know he has the best plan. We want it done now. Yeah. We know he has the best plan for us, she said. But we want it now. Can you relate to that? Yeah. We want it now. We know exactly what God has. Because we believe God can do anything. Amen? Amen. And if God can do anything and God loves me, he'll give me exactly what will make me happy. Amen? No. 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 <laughs> right? And that's hard. It's hard to trust him. It's hard to be patient, but will God bless us? He says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. His Don't fret. Mm. Pardon? His grace is sufficient. Yeah, his grace is sufficient. And when, and when was that said? When Paul was struggling with his thorn in the flesh, he asked God three times to take it away. And God said, my grace is sufficient for you. Wow. Yeah. God. I think too, the waiting and trusting is because we just get it in our head that we know how we ask for something and we know how it will work out like this is how it's going to happen yeah. and if it's not going that way we, we want to jump in and do something about it or fix it or whatever 
God, why are you answering up here? But he's over here doing something else that we don't even know about. Just like the story you told. You know. Yeah. We have to trust him even when we don't see his hand. As Dr. Paul used to say, we need to trust his heart. That God's heart is for us. And we may not see it, but we can trust in that mark. It takes great discipline in our spiritual life to walk up, to walk that, to be yeah. still before the Lord and wait. It takes great discipline on our part to do that. Absolutely. It, he said it, it takes great discipline on our part to wait patiently in. And I love this. He says, refrain from anger. And turn from your wrath. Do not fret. It only leads to, anger, to evil. That's a great bit of wisdom there. When you get angry and when you get frustrated and when you feel wrathful, you want revenge or whatever, it only leads to evil. Stop. Don't try. To, that's not your role. Vengeance is mine, say the Lord, our pay. You just take care of you and do the right thing. For those who are evil will be destroyed. You know, and... It's amazing to me. God cares so deeply how we treat each other. I was even reading this morning. What was the sin of Sodom? Homosexuality. Homosexuality? And as where I'm at in my devotions... It, it was. It was clearly that was one of the sins. But is that ultimately what destroyed them? No. In Ezekiel, it says that the women there had lots of everything, but they would not help the poor and the needy. Yeah. He actually communicates that in Ezekiel 16. He talks about Sodom, and I can't find it right now real quickly, but if you, can, you want to go back and read it, you can find it for yourself and read it there. Yeah, it says right here, the Lord gave it to you, verse 49. Now this was the sin of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters were arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned. They did not help the poor and needy. That was the sin of Sodom, Ezekiel says. Now, we know from other passages in Jude that it was the sin of homosexuality, but homosexuality wasn't their biggest sin. It was how they treated people. Think about that. God cares deeply about how we treat people. And when we get angry and when we are wrathful and it leads only to evil in our own life, our, our day of salvation is coming. Lamentations 3, 25 to 26. Someone read that for me. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Amen. God is good to those who hope and seek him. How can we learn to wait for him to deliver us? How do we do that? draw close to him and have confidence that he's the expert on whatever it is that we need. He's the expert. He knows. Yeah, he's the expert. He knows. And we just, we just have to trust in him. Somebody else. When you went through stuff. It's how, daily, huh? daily, sometimes 
And, and, and I love the word you chose. Surrender. Our, our will is not our own. It's his. Your will be done. We surrender the situation to God. Moment by moment. Moment by moment. Day by day. And wait for his deliverance. Why are we instructed to quietly wait? <laughs> Think about that. Quietly wait. How many? Yeah. Do you ever see people noisily sharing their concerns? You know, is that natural for us to be quiet? No. Most of us know, but we can be still and know that He is God, and quietly and patiently wait for Him. What's the difference between happiness and joy? So, happiness is surface, joy is deeper. What else? Yeah. I think happiness is kind of fleeting, but joy is a state of being. So you can have joy in Christ, but you can't really have joy. I mean, you kind of can, but it's more happiness in objects versus a joy in Christ, a state of being. Awesome. I, great word choice. It's a state of being. Joy is a state of being. And happiness is something that comes and goes. It's fleeting. Bill? Similar concept, but happiness is yeah, excellent. Happiness is based on your circumstances. Joy is not this. Does God give us sometimes both? Yeah. Don't ever underestimate the fact that God wants you to be temporarily happy. He does do that for us. Okay? Why? Because he loves us. There is great joy in being in a right relationship with God. And I can't emphasize that enough. There is, there is nothing, 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 nothing. No, no experience in this world that can that can uh, even come close, even mirror the relationship you can have and the joy you can have with being with God. John 15 begins, I am the vine and you are the branches. It, it talks about being connected to the vine. But when you're not connected to the vine, you die. Um, and most of you are frustrated, or at least some of you are frustrated right now because it's fall and you are having to rake up that which is dead. <laughs> it's no longer on the vine, it's no longer on the tree. But down here, John 15, verses 9 through 11, as the Father has loved me, Jesus speaking, so have I loved you. Wow. The love that God the Father has for the Son, Jesus has for us. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. But why? Because when we're in a relationship with God, we're going to want to do the right things. We're not going to want to fall into sin. We're not going to choose to sin. We don't want to live that way. We don't want to be hurtful to others. We don't want to be unkind to our spouse. We don't want to be uh, selfish for our children or our parents and family. We'll be focused on people and loving them the way God loves me because we'll recognize that. Man, God loved me so much. He died for me. How then should I love other people around me? How do I treat them? 
I have told you this so that, you may, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. There is great joy, amen, in being in a relationship with God and loving and serving God, amen? amen. But let me tell you something. That's not what you're going to hear from Satan. It's a waste of your time. You know how much fun you are missing out on because you believe in Jesus? You know how much money you're wasting giving it to the church? They don't need it anyways. And on and on, you don't have to. You know, why should you be unconditionally loving towards your wife? Is she unconditionally loving towards you? No. Get her back. <coughs> Get him back. And Satan's constantly that liar. He's the father of lies. And he's attacking our brains. That's why we have to renew it in the Lord every day. Amen. You got to get re our thinking process redone. And when we do, when we do, I guarantee you, your joy will be complete. But when you run from God, you run from his truth, you don't practice it, you don't follow it. When you live in sin, you will be miserable. And I don't want an amen to that, right? God forbid is what we should be saying, right? Jesus did not come to kill our joy. That's what the world says. And if you follow Jesus, you just can't have any fun. John 10, 10 says that he only comes to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. But it's not the fun of the world or life to the full as the world would call it. Because that's not satisfying. It's fleeting. It's not real joy. How did Jesus come to give us life and have it to the full? He died for us. Why is Satan here? Kill, steal, and destroy. To kill, steal, and destroy. Why do we sometimes believe his lies? Because 2 Corinthians 11, 14, there, somebody did that for me. No wonder for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. He masquerades. He's on the stage faking it. He's a hypocrite. He's masquerading. He's got a mask on. I'm your friend. Trust me. I've got this. We're going to have a great time together. And he's a liar. He'll take you down until you're gone, until you're destroyed. God will give us joy even during our tears. Psalm 30 verse 5 says, For his anger lasts only for a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Amen? His anger lasts only a moment. Does God get angry? Yes. Yeah. That's why we get angry. We're made in his image. But his anger only lasts a moment. But his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night. But joy, rejoicing, comes in the morning. Now what does this verse tell us about God's response to his children? He hears our cries. He hears our cries. There's hope. There's hope. I'm tempted to also say here, because the psalmist is saying, his anger lasts only for a moment. Blue wire sin 
angers God. My sin angers God. But you know what? We may have weeping, may stay for the night. And if you've ever sorrowed over your sin, you understand this. But joy comes in the morning. When we remember and when we know the forgiveness and love of God, our rejoicing will come because we will remember that God loves me. That God loves you. And that's why Jesus came. And he died. He didn't die just for show. He didn't die just to raise from the dead. He was the propitiation for our sins. It, it, it was the atonement. He paid the price for our sins. And God loved you so much that he died for you, shed his blood, was buried and rose again so that you could have life everlasting. If that doesn't give you joy in the morning, boy. So even in the midst, understand God does get angry. And his anger only lasts for a moment. Joy comes in the morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your encouragement through your word that today we can know that we can be in relationship with you, that we, are, we can be your child and that we wouldn't just have eternal life but abundant life, life to the full. God, I pray that we would put into practice what we've heard today. Help us to be a blessing to those we come in contact with. Help us to be an encouragement Help us to focus on your truth. And God, I pray that we would meditate on your word. Apply it to our lives. Be a blessing to others. And experience your joy. Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you all. Have a great day. Yeah.